We are being truly Janus-faced today as we look back and look forward to 2021. Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about comic books and graphic novels worth having on your shelf and sometimes more. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask, and I have a question right out of the gate. You pronounced it Janus in the intro, Todd. Is that is that the correct pronunciation? Because I don't think I've ever known. I have no idea because I said uh, uh, cilantro the other day and got called <laughs> no, out didn't. hardcore for that. Cilantro, so wow! It's this. It may just be southern remnants in my accent. So you um, just just say immediately that's a British colloquialism like aluminium. We're just a cilantro, <laughs> and then all the Brits are going to be angry. But you can at least save face for that moment. Okay. I there are some things I intentionally pronounce uh, in a funny way, like Italian. But um, but oh, cilantro, <laughs> cilantro was not one that I anticipated. Cilantro. It just sort of came came out of my mouth, and I I'm still trying to remap my brain to say it correctly. Were you in Tennessee for an extended period of time that they just sort of crept into your vernacular? Cilantro. I don't, and I say that I don't think I've just ever my heard youth. that. Even, well, <laughs> that's deep you know, south. Cilantro. I agree. I I don't know how that. I don't know what happened. And well, I, this is this is talking yeah. good with Todd and Taylor, so <laughs> we've rebranded the show. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Herb Talk with Todd and Taylor. Um, it's been, uh, dude. It's been. I, we were just ch- we we had a as as is typical. We just had a, a extended sort of pre-show discussion to get our our. Uh, I, I can't even think of the term to get our bearings. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good way. And to say it's it. it has been. You know, you you remarked on something to me because I was I was all. And I still am like giddy. It's like, oh, we're, we're finally recording panelism again. It's been so long. We barely did this at all in 2020. Like 2020 just kind of shut us down. It, surely we only recorded like five or six episodes. And then you come on, you're like, actually, we recorded 17. And I was like, what? Yeah. And it's true. We actually, you know, we did more in 2020 than I anticipated. So, you know, we're already, I, I feel like we're already off to a good start. I agree. And, uh, uh, and thank you for that segue because I, as you you know, we knew we were going to do sort of a reflection upon the last year and and thinking about what's ahead and you know trying our best to summarize what books we're reading or maybe shows or you know something that really entertained us this last year and um, I tried a little bit to do it by the numbers and so I went and counted up how many episodes we did and we did twenty one episodes last year uh, and I I thought you know for all that time that I thought we weren't doing it regularly this is almost twice a month and. Yeah. So I thought I would pitch to you that we start doing like we just say, you know what, that's going to be our schedule is twice a month because weekly we know like we keep getting like knocked off track, whatever we can make twice a month and do two, two new books every month. So that is my uh, that's out there for your contemplation and discussion. Well, I like it because it gets us back onto talking books regularly again. You know, like, like uh, most agree. things in 2020, we we got off. A little. I mean, we didn't get off schedule as badly as I thought we did, as you just pointed out. But we also just, I think the the passion wasn't quite as there 
as it had been before. And we really, we talked books, but we kind of got a little muddy with other, the, the, the and everything else kind of part of the discussion got a little more. So I'm, I'm all for this idea. If we do two books a month, you pick one, I pick one. Um, we can announce it on Instagram beforehand so we can kind of revisit a bit of that book club um, feel that we had for a little while there. And then we'll have, between the two of us, 24 books in the course of a year. But also, it also lets, I mean, that said, we don't have to not interview people. We don't have to not talk about right, movies right. and TV shows and all, you know, and, and all the rest. That will happen, too, on an as-needed basis. Um, I'm guessing when we get to go back to movie theaters again, if that's ever a thing, like we'll have plenty to rejoice about and we'll just have to have the whole like return oh, to the man. movie theater episode. So that expect that from us at some point. But I mean, yeah. WandaVision comes out in a week or two that, you know, should definitely be Ooh. part of the discussion. Um, there's, there's plenty. So I, this will keep us grounded in books, which I'm glad we're doing. Cause that's sort of the you know, original intent of, of this iteration of panelism has been the books. And we get to do, you know, all the other stuff too. So I'm, I am on board. Cool. I, yeah, I, um, I would just add in there, which is also a, uh, hopefully like a, a nice thing to say to our listeners, which is, you know, it's January 3rd as we're recording this. And, um, it's, yeah, we went into 2020 with the best of intentions and we have to have a little, uh, forgiveness for ourselves. You know, we realigned a whole bunch of stuff on panelism and thought, oh, we're going to be doing these monthly book clubs and then we're going to do these chats with creators. And then we'll have, you know, we were going to have these sort of themed episodes and we, we just weren't able to do that because yeah. we weren't able to sit down with creators in person and we, you know, face some recording challenges. And, and there was just the background noise of 2020, which made it so hard to sit down and just read a book for me. Yeah, um, same, same. So when, it was probably when, my lightest reading year, even though I got a bunch of new stuff and we've talked about it. Like I you knew there was that amazing humble bundle for um, yeah. humanoids and there's, a, I mean, I got a bunch of stuff, but my sort of zeal for reading really took a dive, um, yeah. you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, among them being comic book shops were, were, you know, infrequently open or not quite the same experience as you're used to. I mean, it is a, it is a big distraction to walk into a, sh a shop you love and not be able to like smell the, you know, smell the books and like kind of have that full sensory experience. Like when your mask is on, it's kind of a different thing. And then, you know, you can't really go out as much as you used to, to, to shops and just kind of casually browse. And so there's a bunch of stuff. And then on top of that, it was more of a, a question of like, you know, who's going to want to listen to us talk about books when everything is so heavy and blah, blah, you know, so there was a little of that yeah. going on, but we still managed to, to pop out some episodes. So, you know, yeah. go back and, and listen. I, I'll point out a few of my favorites. Um, I was on a nice little tear doing interviews before COVID. So I would love to, to re-highlight um, my fireside chats with uh, Daniel Rojas, which is episode number 141 for those listening. Um, Frank Fry was before that, but uh, I had a fireside chat with Charles Wefso. That was 150. He's a creator and, and host of the Hardy Boys Drink cast, which has concluded, but also on the Panelism Network. And then um, I had a, uh, I think we kicked off January 15th. In fact, I'm looking at it. Uh, my fireside chant with Frank Fry was 138. So I loved those interviews. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll get to do more as, as things, you know, kind of normalize a bit and COVID isn't as much of a problem and we can do in-person stuff again. But I love those interviews. I would, I would go back and check them out. If you're, if you're new to the show or if you, for, you know, if you didn't quite pay attention to us last year, start with those. I, they're some of my favorite episodes yeah, and I, some, I think among my best personally. 
I, I I second all that recommendation and would also say that yeah, they're they're great interviews from you. Thank you. Um, yeah, you did great work, and uh, I definitely think everybody should go back and listen to those. Um, and and you know to to circle back up a little bit on that that background noise and what we hope to get done and stuff was I, I you know I I went into lockdown and pretty quickly uh, a group of friends established like weekly RPGs usually D and D but you know I got to play a bunch of other ones and um, it, it I, I and one of the things that I missed out was because there was no way to sort of spontaneously hang out with someone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you can't just be like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Um, you know, everybody's you've got to plan it out and you you kind of want to know, who, you know, who's in what pod and where we're meeting and all that kind of stuff. If you want to see anyone in in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that took away this somewhat of a ritual I had of uh, when we were doing books, just sitting down on Saturday afternoons and like reading the book or rereading or just refreshing my memory of something that I knew we were going to talk about. And so I kind of took it. I mean, I don't really like making quote resolutions or goals into 2021, but as I was looking through things, I I knew I really want to, um, maybe I can't conquer that TBR pile, but, but I want to, I want to like refocus on, on reading and, you know, getting some stuff done, that way, because even reading comic books is an intellectual activity, and you know I need to get back into that. And hopefully, this background noise continues to uh, dissipate, and and we can get some stuff done. <laughs> well, even if it doesn't, you know, dissipate quickly. Like I'm, I'm sort of, I've, I've entered 2021 with like, okay, do over. <laughs> so great. Like I'm ready to give. I'm truly ready to get back to a a more normal cadence, just in terms of my everyday nice. consumption of stuff, even though I've got more to think about and worry about this year than I did last year. Um, yeah. With the arrival of a, of a little baby, we had, a, Rachel and I had our, had our daughter uh, in right November 24th specifically. Um, so we've been you know, a month and some change with her. We named her Moira Josephine, um, which if you, if this was pointed out to me by, sadly, I didn't come up with this myself. I wish I thought of this, but like somebody pointed out to me, a staunch X-Men fan, like, wow, we're really covering our basis. Like my last name is Trask. <laughs> uh, you know, we named our daughter Moira. Um, I, we called her Moira Josephine yeah. so we can nickname her Mojo. Um, so that's uh, Rachel's know. last name is Xavier. It's yeah. <laughs> no, not, I wish God, that'd be amazing. Moira Xavier Trask. Like that just all the things. But I was we were talking because because Moira is sort of other than you know Shit's Creek is kind of the only thing in popular culture, other than X Men, where like that's a you know a common name. We often get asked like, "Oh, are you a fan of the show?" I'm like, I mean, yeah, but that we came up with the name long before that show was a thing or even popular. But then I was I was thinking I was like, "Holy crap!" Especially given. Jonathan Hickman's, you know, what he did with X-Men. I'm like, Moira McTaggart is like the most important mutant now, like hmm. in the entire pantheon. So like, holy crap, this is, I can't wait to, when she is old enough, share with her House of X, Powers of Ten and go, does this resonate with you? Do you, do you, does this make your name cooler or not? And just kind of, you know, use, use that as a jumping off point to maybe hopefully get her into comics too. We'll see. Yeah. I, that, congratulations. Um, uh, of course we've, I think we hinted that your baby was coming in one of our yeah. last episodes before uh, the end of the year. And, um, uh, and surprisingly, I don't, I don't think the arrival of Mojo was the, um, I don't think that delayed us as so much as just like life, other, other yeah. life things and like end of the year. And, you know, it just, um, you were, you were pretty willing to get back on that recording schedule and 
things just it occupies up, so. a lot of brain space the waiting mm, occupies mm. a lot of brain space and I, I, right. maybe just for me but like more, i was more angst ridden about it than rachel was rachel was carrying the kid and i was just like can we just can we just have a date on the calendar when it's right and, and oh, interestingly <laughs> interestingly i'll say this for all those would-be parents out there who may be nervous about this too they gave us a, a due date of November 21st. We were three days past that. So we were, that was pretty damn accurate. Um, you know, my, yeah. for some reason in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's just a guesstimation. That can't be right. And we were three days past that. Like it was, you know, it was pretty damn accurate. So if you're, if you're OBGYN or whatever, you know, whatever form that takes for you gives you a date, you know, plan for it. It's it maybe a little hmm. late, maybe a little sooner, but um, it's pretty modern day science Todd has, has really honed in on this stuff. So I was all that to be said, I probably didn't need to worry as much, but just this idea, this like this sort of like, (laughs) I was reminded of, um, of the book, Mr. Miracle, which we've talked about on this show. (laughs) And that just that constant pulse of dark side lives, you know, like every other panel, like you'd see this black, this black (laughs) box with like dark side, or is it dark side lives or dark side is, I forget. Oh, I hate is, myself. Dark Side, uh, some, one of those two. You, of course, mentioned a book that I do not have on my device in front of me. <laughs> well, it's on my shelf. I just, without a, outside of reaching distance, I'd go grab it. But like, just that constant pulse of like, I'd be going through my day and she's like, she's coming, she's coming, she's here. And, you know, it's like, you know, and just not knowing like, you know, it could happen at any moment. Like I could be like mid sentence and like, oh, here we go. And so just that right. really kind of messed with me. And so once she was actually here, it's like, okay even though there's a lot of work and other time involved, it's like, at least she's here. Like that part's done. Now we get to like, you know, proceed as, as planned. So, so yeah. Well, I, I like your view of, of taking 2021 as like a do over or like just punching that reset button. Um, but I, but there is a really important skill that I've been honing over the last year, which we've, and I know you have as well. And we've talked about this on several shows, which is kind of figuring out what's worth my time. Yeah. And Ooh, yeah, you know, we've talked about it, first of all, in terms of the, the value of a Comixology Unlimited account. Again, boy, it would be great if we were sponsored by them, but we're not. I'm just a corporate shill, I guess. Which is, I, you know, I feel so much more liberated to check into anything that's unlimited, you know, that's a free borrow and yeah. go, do I like this or not? So it's it does uh, broaden my, um, like, my input, you know, but it also, like, I'm getting better at going, like, you know what? I'm not engaged. Check out. And I've been doing that with shows because it's not like, and it's, I guess this is strange in a time where, you know, I almost have unlimited time to just sit on the couch and watch stuff. But I, you know, I, gosh, in March told you like, Hey, you know what? The expanse is on my to watch list. I keep hearing great things. I'm going to get through that this pandemic. And I have been, you know, I struggled through season one. Season two was killer. I got halfway through season three and it just ground to a halt for me. Mm-hmm. And it's only in the last week where I had to remind myself of like, hey, look, you're not engaged with this. Check out. It's fine. You know, um, there. it's not like there's an other. I mean, it's not like there is no other stuff to watch. There is more than enough to watch yeah, forever. Yeah. And yeah. and I feel that with our <laughs> with our books going forward, like you and I have talked about how our what we've just digitally downloaded um, or acquired from comic shops and sits on our shelves. We could do three years of podcasts, if not more. You know, well, here's like, a question for you. I've been so so along this line of thinking. Rewind back to like 2015, 2016, when we were kind of getting this this show up and running, and it was no different then than it is now. In fact, if anything, it was probably more so because that was when you know Image was really on fire in terms of like right, the diversity right. and quality stuff, and Humble Bundle was just getting started. So there was just as much 
if not more then than there is now. And I didn't feel nearly as sort of like anxious about it. Like, oh God, I, it was just more Agreed. like wade into the pool and swim and see what you get. You know, and, and for some reason, I kind of lost that last year specifically, but maybe a little bit before where it just yeah. almost felt like this sort of like this, this dread of like, oh God, I'm never going to catch up. I'm never going to finish all this. And I, I really had to th- you know, kind of intentionally think about that over the past month and just look at my shelf and go, okay, you know, I don't, I clearly can't read everything I want to read or watch everything I'm going to watch. And I think it's just, I, I really need to recalibrate and get back to like, if it really resonates with me, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I don't have to like dutifully read every single thing, you know, because at some point you kind of, you flip from being a fan to being almost like a music critic where you just like, you know, you, almost like a pitchfork where you just have to like listen to everything and then you become jaded and you have to like, you yeah. know, throw shade on it. It's like, what am I doing? And I, I will have one thing in this episode before we're done that I want to throw a little shade on just because <laughs> it, it, it represents for me kind of like, not the bottom of the barrel so much, but just like, oh man, this is what happens when no one is told no. Um, so we'll get right. to that. But like, other than that, I, I, you know, looking at my shelf, just going, and, and, and part of it too, is there's books I own that I want to revisit, like that I yeah. read once upon a time. They're like, man, I'd love to reread that. And then I thought, you know, last year, maybe we talked about this on an episode. I had a, I had a solution, which is what I'm just going to not buy anything new for the rest of the year right. and revisit all my stuff. <laughs> and I couldn't like, I, I, you know, I even, I tried dutifully to do that for a month and I was like, I just need something new. So I found myself, you know, almost, <laughs> almost sprinting to uh, one of the comic shops here in the Springs and just go, I just need something new. And yep. that believe it or not, reinvigorated a lot of my like love of the medium. So I'm, you kind of need to really. I don't know where it, it for me it's like a, a constant dance but i want to yeah. really get back to that place i was in especially in like the end of 2015 which was just let's just let's let's throw the let's throw the fishing rod and see what we get and then you know if it's not a fish we want that's okay like you don't it doesn't have to be um, well and for me there are two things that are really correlated which is uh one is that i was i was in my house so much more yeah. And I got really sick of stuff around me, which ah. is crazy because right now my house has never been messier. But, <laughs> um, you know, just like having the physical to be red pile mocking me while I was home all day was like it, it was just it was occupying mental space. Yep. You yep. know, um, exactly and my, my friend Boris has this great phrase about being a minimalist, which is space is a thing like you actually want to have empty space. That is it like a a positive don't think of it as something to like fill up you know yep. think of it as like oh i have space now so i did a pretty good job of culling a lot of physical stuff there mm-hmm. um and then the other side of it is unfortunately related which is i don't go to comic book stores and have that impulse buying uh nature anymore where really? i used to pick up a lot of single issues just thinking like oh i'll try this out now yeah. You know, for better and worse, because that that is putting money in the creator's pockets and the comic book shop's pocket. Um, and now I'm much more likely to, you know, check it out on Comixology or or see what I can learn on the web or like through, you know, Instagram posts or something, which that sounds really weird. But I, I, I've just this week purchased a comic based purely on one Instagram post from this <laughs> artist named Sweeney Boo. And I was like, perfect. I'm buying this graphic novel, you know, done. Um is and Sweeney Boo a real name or a uh, stage name? I believe that is a uh, a, a real name. Okay. Um, I, no that's no good, offense. Great, I'm just, great I'm, question. I have no idea. It's like um, Sweeney Boo 1934. Like, like, what are we talking about here? Is that, you know. 
Yeah, I go just ahead. sorry. Go sorry to interrupt. Oh, right, 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 right. No, it, it, uh, they are credited as Sweeney Boo okay. on on the cover of of uh, the the book I bought was Eat and Love Yourself, oh. um, and I really look forward to reading this. Um, and uh, you know, anyway, I don't I don't know where I got off topic there, but yeah, it, you know, it's just my relationship with physical things changed last yeah. year, and yeah. and not in a terrible negative way, you know. So. Yeah, I'm just going. I'm going into 2021 with ass loads of books in my <laughs> YAC reader and Comicsology and iBooks and Kindle and <laughs> and the physical shelf too. I mean, like it's it is. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things for me where I. Long story short, I'm, I'm recording now from my um, what we call the study in my my house. We took a, a little room that's sort of. My house is super duper quirky. It's it's like the Weasleys from Harry Potter could live here. It's kind of got that oh, vibe yeah. to it. Um, but there's a there's a room kind of that a couple like you know short little three or four stairs lead up to from our den that we just call the library or the study. And my intention has been to build um, some permanent bookshelves in here because right now I just have like a, a, a bigger and then a smaller a skinnier like IKEA shelf just sitting here, and that's kind of it. And so when we get some more bookshelves in here, I will have room to put more in, but only up to a point. So I've had to really get serious with myself and going just because I'm adding more shelving this year doesn't mean I can just go whole hog again. Cause I, at some point that will fill up too. And then what, right. um, you know, I don't have the Neil Gaiman library or the Guillermo del Toro library where it's like an entire, like, you know, you know <laughs> floor of the house, 1200 square foot. Yeah. And then even then I'm like, I could probably fill that up too. And then, you know, so I've become more obsessed with, especially with my physical stuff. Like how can I curate like, a really intentional, amazing collection of stuff where like every single book is like, holy crap. Um, Cause at some point I'm either going to pass it on to Moira or, um, you know, just donate it to some amazing library. You know, by the time I'm, if, when I'm too old to enjoy it and if no one else wants it, got to go somewhere. I, it would be yeah. sad to just let it. So how can I make sure if it does get passed on in any capacity that it's really well thought through. And you know, but a lot of the show has been kind of that culling. Like, you know, if I'm going to yeah. talk about a book on the show, and yeah, you know, I want it to be something that like, oh, I really want people to check this out. It's not just a dutiful pick. It's like, no, no this is interesting. This is this is a exactly. highlight in the medium. So um, not that I had a lot of cruft, but it's really caused me to go, okay, do I really like that volume of, of um, Wicked and the Divine? Or is that, did I just buy it because I wanted to continue the series? Or does it really represent yeah. the, you know, could that be a better pick as a digital thing if I ever wanted to reread it? You know, so I'm kind of going through that that audit as well right now. Well, and it's tough too, because I, you know, as of now, I don't know any good way to pass digital libraries along. You know, I mean, I know, Comixology, that's a you can you can download every CBZ, I think, from Comixology. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, what am I going to do? Like, just say, hey, this hard drive is yours whenever I pass away. <laughs> um, There's a whole other episode for another day. Like, what do we do with our digital libraries yeah. when when that day comes? And like, how does licensing work for that? Like, there's a lot of interesting yeah. questions that we can we can pull apart. For sure. Um, did I didn't you wanna... mean to lead us down that road. <laughs> oh, no. When I, I wanted to intentionally stop us because I have so Perfect. many thoughts on that. Like, let's just make that another episode for another day because I think, yeah, we would we would detract. I have I have some things, though, Todd, that I want to sh- I want to ask you about and talk about. I love um, it. To, to kick our new year <laughs> off. So let's 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 do it this way. If you're OK with it, let's do um, uh, maybe some things from 2020 that we liked that we either haven't talked about yet or want to kind of just reference again. Um, and then let's talk about the things we're most excited for in 21. Cause there's some cool shit coming down the pike that cool. I definitely want to mention. And then I have, I do have a sort of 
just WTF, like, like it's just, it's worth mentioning. Cause I, I really want to draw attention to a particular creator and just, again, nobody has, seems to tell him no. And mm. I, I want to make sure people are aware of this. So we'll, we'll get to that later excited on. excited to hear who this is. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not who you expect. It's um, somebody we've talked about briefly before, but I've, I've hesitated mentioning more. And now that he's, he's starting another series, I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, but let's kick things off. Uh, have you, and not that you've had to, we, we really haven't planned most of this list. This is going to be kind of, right. uh, you know, of the moment. But did you get a chance to watch Wonder Woman 1984 yet? I did. What'd you think? Just, just you know, back of the book uh, I, review. So the, it, was a, it was a very weird experience for me because um, I think if I had seen it in a theater... I would have been much more excited by it. Ah, okay. And I was, I was very excited by the announcement by Warner Brothers that they are, that their whole 2021 calendar is rolling out simultaneously, you know, on HBO Max and in theaters. I thought that's future facing. That's a good, yep. you know, because yep. there there are a lot of people that just frankly don't like going to theaters, and obviously they're they're closed right now or they're limited. Um, which, by the way, why why didn't theaters like in June decide to like just physically strip out half of their seats and turn them all into Alamo draft house kind of style things. Yeah. You know, if I could go see a a movie with one person and know that I was six feet away from the next person, I would, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, not now, but you know, in a few months. Um, but yeah, I, I watched a lot of it going like, okay, I get it. This is the superhero thing. This is, you know, I'm like, more so than other superhero movies sort of calling the shots. Uh, so what, what was your take on it? I agree. My wife and I saw it on our TV at home, um, obviously. Some people, I guess some theaters are doing this thing where you can rent out your own theater for like 100 bucks for like a date night if you want. Oh, wow. Um, so some people just did that. It's like, I just, you get a whole theater to yourself. Now, if you're interested in the big screen, big speaker experience, great. But for me, it, as has always been the case... I would say 80% of the theater experience is the communal theater experience. It's going, who's going to laugh? You know, I want people laughing at the same jokes with me and going at the same time as me. And like, you know, one of my favorite things as I've said many times on the show is that opening night, that midnight opening night thing, which doesn't really exist anymore. Even prior to COVID it had kind of gone away, you know, 8 PM, 7 PM the night before. It's not that midnight opening. There was a energy to that thing that like, even movies like um, Ted, you know, the uh, Seth MacFarlane teddy bear movie, Ted. Like, I saw that in the theater, and I died laughing at so much of it. Saw it again on TV, and I was like, man, why did I find some of this as funny as I did? And it right. was because of that communal experience just enhances everything. So I think, like you, with Wonder Woman 84, had I seen it in, in, in like an opening week scenario with more people, I think I would have enjoyed it more than I did. It's not that I didn't enjoy it, but it didn't quite resonate with me as as clearly as the first Wonder Woman did that that movie seemed aesthetically and structurally it just it really worked like it there was very little weak uh, weak sauce in any of it if if at all and with eighty four it just kind of felt like almost felt like three different scripts tacked together for some reason um, I don't know if I would have come away with that feeling had I been in the theater too yeah because there was some of it that was intentionally designed to live and breathe in a big theater setting. But what I did like about it was that it was very intentionally kind of homaging that first and second Christopher Reeve Superman movie at like mm. almost every turn. Mm. Um, and to the point where I realized like 
and I need to rewatch it again just to, to see if this is a good take, but like, it occurred to me that it wasn't, unlike Stranger Things, which is a TV show that just chock-a-blocks all the, it, it mainlines 1980s nostalgia into your veins, right? Like that's its intention. I think a lot of people went into Wonder Woman 84 thinking that's what was going to occur. And instead, it's a movie that was like made to look like it could have been made in 1984. Not so much, hey, here's all the things about the 80s you love. And we're just going to like give it to you like at at full volume. And it did a little of that. But you'll notice there weren't many licenses in terms of music. There weren't, Mm, you know, the things that they homage. You know, it wasn't like Wonder Woman falls through the roof of a blockbuster, like very intentionally, like, look, here it is. Like she didn't do that. All the references and things were almost more subtle than that. It was more like, hey, Pretend as though we shot this in 1984 and that's it. Like that's, that's where we go. So I loved that aspect of it. And I loved that it just, it was clear that either Patty Jenkins or I think Jeff Johns wrote it with her. I forget who exactly who, but like, I think you're right. Yeah. Whoever did the script, like clearly they're like, oh, that, that Superman, that Christopher Reeve Superman one and two was almost like a North star. So like, let's, let's really like, you know, a lot of, especially in that beginning montage where she's just going about her day doing like, you know, doing the small, like the little things. Like I was frankly surprised she didn't like save a cat from a tree. Cause it was just very sort of like, you know, cop, you know, beat cop on the street kinds of stuff, which I loved. It's like, Oh, let's yeah. make this personal again. Let's bring this back down to earth. It doesn't, you know, some giant turd cloud in the sky is not going to appear you know, at the end of the movie for her to fight. You know, that wasn't this movie. Right. They, they got a little <laughs> close to that, but they didn't, wasn't that, that wasn't what this was about, which I appreciated. You know, and even yeah. at the, even the ending when she was, it was, you know, spoilers, it was less about her, you know, fighting Maxwell Lord, like in a punching right, match right, and right. more about just like, Hey, everybody that was say what you will about it, but it was, it was something fresh. It was new. We haven't seen yeah. that for a while. So I really well, like that, that take as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, oh, that's, that's great. That actually makes me more excited about it because I did like how the, um, even though I wasn't reflecting on this in the moment, I did like how the, uh, you know, I guess her super villain name is Cheetah or something, maybe. Yeah. But I, I liked how um, uh, Barbara, the nemesis of um, Wonder Woman, the, that was the physical confrontation. Yeah. And then, and then with Max, it was more about like a mental or spiritual kind of yeah. confrontation. And that was, that was really cool because, yeah, because when you're, you know, the turd cloud that you're referring to, I guess it's Justice League. And... When, you know, when that's happening, you're like, I don't, how do you even beat this? Why, what's happening? What is, you know, you have no physical like reference to it. Yeah. Um, uh, side note though, uh, I'm pretty sure Kristen Wiig also plays uh, Bra Bra in Flight of the Concords. There's like, they're both hitting on the same woman and one of them thinks her name is Barbara and one thinks it's Bra Bra. And they're like, no, Bra Bra is not a name. It's Barbara. And then it turns out her name really is Bra Bra. And that, that was throwing me off for the whole movie. I was like, Oh my you God, know, I, you're right. It I is. kept hearing it's like, Wig. you know, no, it's bra bra, which they do like an R <laughs> Kelly, uh, you know, songs like, wait a minute. Are you talking about the same woman we just saw in the park? Um, wow. Was that season one or two? Because I'm not as familiar ooh. with season two of flight of the Concords for whatever reason. I don't know, but I would think too because of the, because the R Kelly was kind of like, uh, oh, yeah. uh they yeah. were doing more like, parody stuff in season two than than their own um i don't know you know well, it felt like there were reference this. points for the song Sorry. when they cast Kristen wig originally i was like really and then it right. worked incredibly well because Kristen wig oh, has yeah. that magical ability to play to play very realistically kind of like just you know 
scatterbrain kind of you know just just yeah i don't want to say dumpy but just like you know kind of just this less just just very scattered very sort of just not confident just kind of meh and she does right, that incredibly right. well but then she can also pull off the sexy thing really well too that was the that was a perfect choice now i did not at all care for her her character design when she became cheetah but that was just totally was just i like, agree what? i mean if they had if they had nailed that i think i think i think by not nailing it it opened the door for me to start to second guess a lot more of the movie than i would have otherwise you know, when mm. they show her, you're like, oh, really? And then you're like, and, and you fortunately, it's only like, things. it's only like the last 20, 30 minutes or like, yeah, maybe even less that. than that. Yeah. But I agree because there's a fight where she's like in the kind of like 80s glam outfit. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is everything I wanted Cheetah to be. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, uh, yeah. And then they, then she shows up looking like an actual cat. And you're like, okay. <laughs> With like weird David Bowie Ziggy Stardust hair, I'm like, right. what would that be? And then, and then even the logic of it, right? It's like the logic was, was like, you know, put all your rage into her, and like, you know, as Maxwell Lord's yeah. like, you know, summoning the the demon, and it's like, and she just becomes a cat, I guess. And I'm like, what? I would have rather a more because because everything leading up to that third act was really solid. Like I loved the like the mm. everything was logical. You know, there was a little more Maxwell Lord than I would have wanted. You know, there's probably others have said this, you know, you could probably have cut 30 minutes from that movie and it would have been a tighter experience. Mm, um, yeah. But like, I, yeah, I was, I was fine. It was almost like a director's cut. It's like, okay, fine. And then it yeah. gets to that last like 30 minutes. It just got really muddy for me. And I think all the little visual things that weren't quite as tight. I was like, okay, all right, I guess. Yeah. But overall it was, you know, I didn't hate it, but I think the movie theater would have enhanced it for me. Yeah. And I just, I, I'm glad it exists yeah, the yeah. only thing the only thing I'll say is that like I think Chris Pine felt a little underutilized. You know, he was yeah. a damsel in distress again and he was kind of the reverse the reverse of Diane in the first one, which is all fine. That's that's you know, wonderful. But it just got like for all the things, all the opportunities, like one of the only moments where I was genuinely like, Oh, here this is what I wanted was when he was in the jet with her and she's talking I forget <laughs> what she said, but he goes, Well shit, Diana like he Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was like, this, this is the Chris Pine that we should have, we should have had this whole time. And so kind of felt a little underutilized, but I, you could nitpick and nitpick and nitpick and still maybe get 5% marginally a a better movie. So I don't, I don't want to fall down that, that rabbit hole, but yeah, I, I do think that part of like, so first of all, there's the theater thing. And then there's just this weird, this is the first movie that I anticipated of 2020 that then kept getting bumped and stuff because of the pandemic. So I do feel like there's a weird little thing that's like they missed their moment. Like yeah, the excitement yeah. I think you're right. in the spring was gone. And I mm-hmm. did, I was briefly really excited. Like, oh, it's coming out on Christmas Day, you know, everywhere simultaneously. This is going to be awesome. And then I didn't end up watching it on Christmas Day. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you know. Um, remember, I, remember it was supposed yeah. to come out Christmas of 2019 and they bumped it because of Star Wars, which they mm. should have just stuck to their guns because that Star Wars movie was not was. You yeah. did, I mean, that was the last movie I saw in the theaters, Dodd. And I still I'm like, <laughs> like of all the movies to end my yeah. my run on. I was like, really? So, yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman could have cleaned up if they'd come up. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. Like that was. There was an anticipation. It almost felt more like a dutiful watch to some degree. Like, all right, I'm doing my duty to watch this movie and I'm going to enjoy it. And so I wish that wasn't kind of hanging over it, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, uh, a good one to kick us off on. We had both compliments and um, (laughs) 
I want to minimize. And, <laughs> I, I want to minimize the negative stuff. Like, like my wife liked it. A lot of people really liked it, and that's and for valid reasons. So I, I don't yeah. want to say. I don't want to put a stink on it. I just there was a few things that they just tweaked a little bit. It could have been as good as the first one. I think that's my only complaint. Well, but I love I love the aesthetic yeah, yeah. of it. You know, the aesthetic I, of it was really good. I totally agree. And I, you know, my reflection of it too is that if you're one of those people that has sort of a home theater setup, not that you have to have like a crazy one, but you have a dedicated entertainment room with like a decent sound system and a semi-large television you're also going to experience it different than I did. I actually do have a, a television set. I don't know if television is still the right word. I have a large display, um, you know, a Roku device and watched it on that. So I did have a bigger screen. It's not like I watched it on an iPad or something. Um, not like when I watched interstellar on my phone to make all oh, of my Jesus. friends mad. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure Chris Nolan would love to hear that. Like I watched interstellar <laughs> on my phone, Chris, and it was just yeah. fine. In 480. <laughs> um, you know, so I, but I know uh, because I didn't have that dedicated sort of room for entertainment, you know, I'm scrolling through my phone or I open yeah. up my iPad or something, you know, I just, I, I was fell victim to the same, you know, uh, distractions that I do for everything. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you a couple of, so now that, now that I know you have HBO Max on your Roku for a period of time, um, I did want to <laughs> shout out. Because that a was a period I mean, of time. <laughs> well, people don't remember like Roku was the last one to uh, uh, HBO is uh, Time Warner. Who owns HBO now? Time Warner, whoever does. Um, yeah. Uh, we're being real prickly about Amazon and Roku. And I'm like, you're only hurting oh. yourselves here. Like, so Roku got it, got HBO Max as an app, like literally days before 84 hit. I think that was. Gotcha. Was okay. Um, wow. And for a variety of reasons, we can get, you look that up on your own time, but. Um, I was glad it, it finally did come to Roku uh, because uh, his Dark Material season two was yeah. in full motion and has just concluded, I think, a week ago. And yeah. I was a big fan of, of the first season. And this season just continues to crush it. Like you can tell they got really good at making the show. All the CGI looks even better. It just that everything is, is flowing really nicely. And, and if you haven't started it yet, I would highly recommend it because it is the first time. Uh, I have felt like I was reliving my watching of the Lord of the Rings trilogy as it was coming out in the theaters back in the early 2000s. Like now I'm really excited for dark, you know, for, for season, the final season three to come out in, you know, the holidays of this year. So, you know, we got a year assuming they don't get delayed by COVID stuff. Like they, that will come out again and like, that will be the end of it. And so I'm really looking forward to it. It's the cast is stellar. Um, if you've never read the books, it doesn't matter. Like they, from everything I can gather, they honor the books incredibly well while still mm. taking some liberties. Um, the set design is beautiful. The locations are beautiful. It is, is it's probably the closest thing HBO has done uh, to Game of Thrones in terms of just, you know, overall kind of aesthetic and quality, um, you know, Watchmen notwithstanding, because that's that was kind of a, a, almost a unique experience. experience. Uh, but no, this is, everything mm. about it is just, I love it. So if you're, if you want some really good intellectual fantasy with a little YA tinge to it, like grab it. It's nothing like that terrible movie that came out in 2006. You can just ignore that wholesale, shove it aside, pretend it never happened. This is, this is how this book should have been adapted from the beginning. So uh, grab that. If you've got a, a you've got a, a month um, subscription to max, you know, having watched wonder woman, make that your next thing. I, I, I you wouldn't, you won't be disappointed. Hmm. Um, but there's one other thing I, I 
I don't know. Are you, you, you've got Disney plus, don't you? Yeah. Have last we talked about it. I think we were, we we're chatting on, on uh, discord. Like the last we chatted, you have not yet at all picked up Mandalorian, correct? Okay. So I am almost done with the first season. Okay, good. And, uh, several weeks before the finale, you told me to, uh, to watch an episode of Mandalorian and you said it, do- it doesn't matter if you're not caught up, you got to watch this cause it's so amazing. And I did not do that. And then the, the finale happened and several people told me like, you have to watch this. <laughs> so I've not yeah. watched that either. Okay. Well, um, if, if you finish season one, then just slow bake your way to the finale in season two, because okay. it will be more satisfying when all the pieces come together. Um, uh, but it is the finale of season two of Mandalorian. I mean, it's been a while now since it, it's come, it's came and right. went, but um, it, you know, thinking back, going back to kind of last year and star Wars and the rise of Skywalker, which just, ugh, I mean, it, nothing needs to be said more about that. If you like the movie, great, but it's just, it, for me, it just clunked so hard and tried. And, and here's the best comparison. It tried to do so many fan servicey things that nobody asked for. <laughs> it's right. like nobody asked for any of this. Like if you're going to do fan service, it should logically fit the story you're telling. Don't just try to shoehorn in every reference you can possibly cram in a movie. Cause Ooh, wow. Like it just, none of it resonated. On the other hand, the season two finale of Mandalorian had so much fan servicey stuff that you didn't even think about in that way because it all served the story. Every single mm. element, every single string that was pulled served the story that they were telling. And you got to have some of the most, and, and I would argue probably the most, uh, the most fan servicey and equally amazing moment in Star Wars history occurs in that finale. <laughs> and it's and it, it occurs after moments that you already think are like holy shit this is the this is the moment we've been building towards and then you see that and then something else happens and you're like <gasps> and i don't for you specifically and people out there listening are probably like oh we, you know, we already know what it is they're cheering they're shouting that they're shouting it out but for you i want you to get there organically todd okay but and I, happens, I know some things about it, but I don't know the details. So I'm really excited to I see I would highly, even if you know and, the general gist of it, I would encourage yeah. you to not research the details and not, okay. like, not try to look even at an outline because the beats of the episode are very specifically kind of tuned to that final reveal being so... When you finally have watched it, we'll have to do another panelism about it because... Cool. There are so many, so many moments and they do it with a cast of probably about eight people. Like right. it is, it is, you know, they spent maybe a, a, a 20th of what they spent on Rise of Skywalker. And it was a hundred times more meaningful because it was just yeah. everything that it does is so good. So I would, hi- if you're still out there, you haven't picked up Mandalorian season two yet, please. Like that was one of the, the highlights of 2020 for me. Well, it was just like going, holy crap, this is what Star Wars, this is what Star Wars should have always been, this right here. And isn't part of that that Mandalorian stood on its own from season yeah. one? You know, it yeah. didn't, it wasn't trying to be all fan servicey. It wasn't trying to be a J, like the J.J. Abrams film where like even, and honestly, Rise of Skywalker I think retroactively kind of poisoned force awakens for me because as excited as I was about force awakens and capturing the older aesthetic of star Wars and, you know, not feeling like there's a billion clones here that I'm never going to keep track of, you know, I I was excited. I didn't really care that the story was so similar to the first ones, but then it became clear with rise of Skywalker, like, Oh, that's 
J.J. Abrams is just doing fan service. Like, this is not, you know, like, that's, it was so retroactively, like, stupid, you know? And I think that's a big message to creators is, like, you can just make your original thing and have it tie into the larger story, and it's going to be a, such a better act of, of actual fan service. Like, Rogue One still blows me away, you know? And it's like, sure, you have this MacGuffin of the Death Star plans, but that last 10 minutes of it, you could have cut out and it would still be a great movie. But then the, the last 10 minutes happens. And I, I mean, I just remember that feeling of like in the theater, like literally grabbing my dad's arm, like, holy shit, dude, do you know what's about to happen? You know, because I don't think he had quite pieced together, you know, yeah. what, what was what he was watching. And, um, I, you know, just like that was an amazing. Let me, let me stop you because that last 10 minutes of, of Rogue One is the entire finale of season oh, two. <laughs> like that, that so, feeling that holy cr- like and yeah. it just escalates from the, like it starts off that way where you're like <gasps> and then beat by beat by beat by beat you're like yeah. oh my god oh my god <gasps> no and then it's just like everything right. and even things that you're like they'll n- surely they will never do how could this possibly work and they make it work so perfectly you're like <gasps> Oh my God. So it's like the, and then there's even, there's even deeper connective tissue than that, that I don't want to get into without spoiling right, anything. Right. But like Rogue One's a great analog for season two of the Mandalorian. Cause Rogue One does a lot of stuff that it fits the story that was already kind of established. It flushes out those details in ways that are very meaningful. It makes you care about all those characters. And then it takes things that like George Lucas never had the imagination to make more of. And they're like, Oh no, no, this is what you, and you're like, <gasps> and now all of a sudden Darth Vader is like 10 times cooler than he ever was before right. from like a simple little thing. All of that happens in the season finale. of. Uh, and, and by the way, season two, if you haven't watched it, there are episodes along the way that do that too. So you're thinking, oh my God, this is the, this is the Ned's right. head of the entire season. <laughs> and then you get to the finale and you're like, oh, it was all leading to this. And then I'll say, I'll save one more thing. At the end of season two, after the credits, they do a post credits sequence you will want to stick around for. Wow. So think about that going forward. Like Disney plus is like, oh no, no. Every season now we're going to do, and I would imagine this is going to apply to like WandaVision, et cetera. Like they're going to do yeah. a stinger at the end of the season. Like they do the movies. Hmm. I can't, I, Disney is in such a beautiful place right now to like basically go, okay. And I'm, I'll, I will put this, I'll put money down on that. This is, this is where they're headed. Yeah. We now have all the money to re and, and time. Like we're not constrained by commercials. We're not constrained by like, you know, it has to be right. exactly 27 minutes. Like all of that's gone. Now we can take our time and tell these stories in a much more deliberate fashion. Instead of like a 90 minute movie where we kind of half ass it, we can spend six hours telling the WandaVision story in a way that's really creatively satisfying. And Oh, by the way, we can do a bunch of these series and then make the movies like the event of yeah. like the culmination of these series. So you're going to get more and more of these like slow drip, almost, you know, the series feel more like comics and that like issues are yeah. coming out to build to the trade paperback of the season. And then if you pay attention to the series, then it's like, now we're going to have like these end game style movies that are, that you have to see in a theater because it is such a spectacle, but you've had the, the time with these characters to really give a shit about them and really care so that those movies are going to feel even more important now if they do less of them and make them more of a you know, a cumulative event, I, I swear that's where they're headed with this. And then the star Wars stuff will fit nicely in that too. And that, you know, they've announced Jesus, like five new star Wars series 
um, off the success of Mandalorian. Uh, that and one was even they, did, they didn't even announce it during their earnings call. You just had to find out about it at the end of season two of Mandalorian, which is a nice little teaser. Mm. Um, but I'm guessing like that's where like Star Wars will live as like Disney Plus series. And then if you ever do get a movie again, it's going to be more like, oh, this is either like a one shot like Rogue One or like, hey, we've been building over five years to now here's the movie you've wanted. And you're like, you know, that, that I think is a really good strategy because then you can really have everything. You can have your cake and eat it too. You can have really great quiet story moments with these characters that you've spent a lot of time with and you can get the spectacle and it all fits together. Like that's, yeah. Disney is in, Disney's in the best place to deliver that right now. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good, Sorry, good summary. My, my no, I, I like it. I, that's a good, a good period on the end of that sentence. Um, um, are there, uh, and I don't want to like twist your head too sharply, but I was going to say looking back, or is that where we want to go now? Or do you want to, um, do you have other stuff to sort of pitch oh, no. forward? I have a few more things and I, I you're going to like this. Um, well, real quick, one more TV show note. Uh, I ended up about a month ago uh, falling into Stargate Universe, which is now oh. free on Amazon Prime. I was a big fan of the Stargate series when it was airing on sci-fi. Universe came out like in 2010, 2011. And I remember seeing bits and pieces of it, but just didn't quite connect with it at that time. And I'm so glad I, I waited until now because it is probably the best Stargate thing that exists. They only ever made two seasons um, and they ended it at a place where they, it could be the series finale, but it could have, you know, could have gone on if they wanted it to. But the acting is stellar. Robert Carlyle is one of the main stars. He's amazing in it. Um, it is like, it's, it's, it's the mythology of Stargate, but with almost like Battlestar Galactica stakes, you know, where hmm. everything's very personal and it's it's much more it's much more serialized so instead of like you know uh, you know villain of the week and all of that kind of stuff there's a little of that but it's every episode links together a lot more so it's it was a show that was built for streaming um you know just right before streaming really kicked off so it, it, mm. i highly encourage you if you just want a a nice you know yeah, I think it's like every season's like twenty-ish episodes, you know. So it still kind of has that flavor of what TV used to be, but right. definitely built. It, you sci-fi definitely made it off the success of Battlestar Galactica. Like, let's apply this formula to Stargate and see what happens. I think it works really well. So if you hmm. if you like that show and that concept, but you want it to be a little more serious, a little bit more adult, a little bit more mature, I sh- is probably the better word, way to put it. Then that's definitely encourage you Stargate. You know, watch Stargate Universe and just be sad that it ended before it's time. Um, you know, maybe they'll pick it up again at some point. I doubt it, but you never know. So one thing I did want to mention, <laughs> I, I would pick up off of that because I was, I was thinking like, Oh, what, what am I watching right now? Is that uh, finally on Disney plus all eight seasons of the Simpsons are available to stream. And then 23 other seasons that they made for some reason. <laughs> so uh, along the lines of, you know, finished before it's time or something, yeah. Sometimes you got a time to finish, and that time was 1999. Simpsons. Um. I, you know, we are in we are in lockstep agreement on this. I know there are people who are, who shout you know heresy, and there's people who discovered the Simpsons in 2010, and that's fine. But my God, talk what about a world they live a in. Dead horse, like what, when what they're sweet when they're, summer children. <laughs> yeah, we, we, to borrow from another show. Yeah, well, I mean, when you, it becomes obvious when like you know how they used the Simpsons would occasionally do like a flash forward episode where you get to see what they all look like in, you know, 10 years, 20 years. When those episodes drastically start contradicting all the other flash forward episodes, you're like, okay, this is, (laughs) 
there's nothing to latch on to here. It's, I just, anyway. Um, one thing I did want to mention, uh, kind of going back to our discussion at the beginning about, um, you know, just there's simply too much to read. I had a bit of a, re- uh, not a resolution, so to speak, but like a, definitely a checklist item for 2020 that will definitely carry on into 21 is to read some of the books you've talked about on the show that we didn't Ooh. sort of review together. Um, you know, we've had several episodes where you pick a book, I pick a book, and we talk about it and ask questions about it. And there were several of those that I had I'd flagged as like, oh, I'd love to look at that at some point and this at some point. And when that list got to be about a dozen books, I'm like, I need to jump in. And it helps that um, for the 900th time, our, our unpaid ad for Comixology, a lot of these books were um, free to borrow on Comixology, if not discounted, um, if you have a membership. So I, I grabbed a couple of those. I want to I re- point out three. Um, first is Batman and Robin, Batman Reborn, which is the oh. Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly book you reviewed. And I cannot tell you which episode that was, so I apologize in advance. Um, but it's the one with Dick Grayson as Batman and, um, um, oh shoot, Damian Wayne is Robin. Yeah. So it's, it's, it inverts the, it inverts the serious Batman lighthearted Robin. So now, you know, Batman's a little bit more lighthearted and, and Robin's like this little angsty kid. And I love that version of Batman. Um, yeah. I love that dynamic. I think it works even better than the sort of original dynamic. And, and you get this, you get this sort of extra benefit of Dick Grayson you know, having lost his father figure, you know, Bruce Wayne is out of the picture at this point. He has to be a, a father figure to this little angsty version of Bruce. And you get to see that, that, that in reverse. And it's really, it's really satisfying. And Frank Quietly's art is always amazing. Especially yeah. when he works with Grant Morrison, like it always, you know, those two did the multiversity issue, uh, which was the, the, uh, the, uh, oh God, it was the Watchmen parody where they took the, um, Oh crap! What was it? What's the uh, original characters? The um, Charlton characters. Um, yeah, yeah. That the Watchmen were loosely based on, and then they made that like the Watchmen. You know, they made it kind of a Watchmen. So Frank Quietly and Grant Morrison. Anytime their names appear together in anything, give it attention because it's. It, yeah. I love those two guys. This, however, and I don't know if you in the episode mentioned this, but there's some really twisted stuff that happens in this book um, from the villain side. Like, yeah, you know, Joker like, is terrible. <laughs> Joker's terrible, but like the pig, like the pig. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I forget that's a separate person. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm just like this is. I didn't. I don't remember Todd mentioning this, or if he did, he downplayed like how grotesque this is. So, not for like you know the sixth grader in your life, although maybe. But like I would be cautious if you're a parent out there listening. Like oh, I'll get this for my son. Like yeah. I mean, it might haunt their dreams uh, if they're not of the appropriate age. So just be careful um, with that one. But I. I what a great pick from you, Batman and Robin, Batman Reborn. I grabbed that. Um, I also grabbed, and I actually like this one even more. Star Wars Doctor Afra. Oh um, right, yeah. You talked about this one, and I grabbed that after after Mandalorian season two ended. I was like, I need to find more Star Wars like this, and I was like flipping through. I'm like, wait, Todd recommended something like this, and I I went back mm. listened to that episode because I wanted to get your full take on it. And then uh, grabbed uh, volume one and actually ended up grabbing the next volume after that, um, which was not free, but that was totally fine because it's a stellar book. And if they ever adapt something else new that you're not quite, you know, in the Star Wars universe, but like totally new characters, I really hope it's this because it it plays in the book. It plays very cinematically, which I always enjoy. 
And like, you can almost like see the storyboard, like beat for beat. Like this is, they would just film this. This is great. But Dr. Afra as a character, she's, she has a lot of that, a lot of the sort of things you like about Lando and Han Solo she's got, but with her yeah. own, it's not just like a, don't never call it, Oh, it's a female Han Solo. Like, no, there's elements of that, but she is very much her own sort of character realized in the star Wars universe. And just, I, I would, I could read 20 more books about her, like make her yeah. like the, the main character of a series. It, it was wonderful. And I think uh, still like five volumes are available on Comixology Unlimited. I think. I mean, grab volume one. Yeah. Just, just out of, just, just do your duty listener and grab volume one of Dr. Afra. And if you don't like it, fine. But like, I, Todd mentioned it and I had flagged it and I might even love it more than you did because it was just, it really hit all the right notes. And especially in a world where now I, I have a very high bar for star Wars things after Mandalorian. I'm like, okay, right. if anything falls below this bar, forget it. I don't, I don't want to even entertain it. And Dr. Afra is definitely, you know, high bar sort of star Wars thing. And then the, uh, the other, the other sort of series, and this was a ladder pick from you, but um, even when we were talking about it last year, I, I was very interested in it is the, um, I don't even know if you want to call it a series, because it is a series, but it's also like a collection, um, is the, uh, I'll just call it the collection, Spira, which you mentioned on yeah. the recent oh, yeah. episode. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, really, like, in in that episode, you had mentioned very you know, very explicitly, pardon me, that the art changes from um, issue to issue or yeah. from story to story, and I think that's a beautiful device. Um, it really fits the the story itself, it, 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 I didn't find it distracting at all. In fact, if anything, it enhanced my love mm. of, this, of the piece to see the art change and have a different artist's in, you know, interpretation of this world and these characters. At the same time, the story itself is very simple. So I think that the art changing works even better because it's not trying to, you don't have to like simultaneously like take in all this like complex mythology. You can just like follow along these characters in this very kind of simple, and not to say that it's that it's that it's easy, but it's just it's a it's a cleaner story, so the art can really shine more. And I just I I am looking now for a hardbound you know kind of collected omnibus of this of these Spira stories because like it just I really want the yeah. printed the printed artifact of this thing. Um, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that because when I reflected on like highlights of 2020 and and especially felt disappointed myself that there weren't many books that I read that I really enjoyed. Um, that was one of them. And if you listen back to that episode, which may be the last episode we did in 2020, yeah. um, there, I, I reveal in the episode that, uh, there's like a metadata problem in comiXology. So when yes. I was viewing the series, I only saw one volume and was super surprised and delighted the morning before we recorded the episode that like, Oh, there's two more volumes waiting for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I you know, uh, to be, Frank have not read those yet, but I still feel that excitement of like, those are waiting for me. And I, that was one of my top books of 2020 for sure. And talk uh, about like the opposite of kind of Batman and Robin. Like I would give this to a, a fifth grader. Like this is like, it's yeah. super accessible and it doesn't make it juvenile. It just makes it, it's one of those amazing all ages uh, books that like, I think if you're an older reader, you will appreciate the finer sort of points of the artwork and just the, you know, kind of that side of it. If you're a younger reader, I think this this will really resonate with you because it is about two young people kind of escaping and you know, kind of going on an adventure and all of that. So, um, I, you're right though. I wish Comicsology would get their meta 
uh, together because you see three separate series. You click right. a series and it just has that trade paperback there. So it's kind of misleading. Um, but again, I, you know, this is, <clears throat> this is a book that started off as a web comic or still is a web comic. And, um, I, I just, I really want them to do a limited run hardcover, you know, and, and really make it go all out, make it like a $60 volume that has like, you know, leather bound kind of like, you know, make it look like it's from that world itself. I would buy it instantly. Yeah. Um, you know, and just to, uh, reflect a little bit about that book, one of the things that I've found challenging is finding like sort of fantasy literature that I can pass along to my niece and nephew because mm -hmm. it is like, you know, because culture changes and so much of that stuff that I read as a kid that I really loved is, is like, you know, patriarchal in that way of like, it's about a boy and like a kingdom. And, you know, it's just, um, it's like my, my beef with, uh, with game of Thrones where when friends would be like, Hey, it's a, you know, it's a fantasy, like, or it's supposed to be medieval times or whatever. And I'm like, no, it's supposed to be a fantasy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think like Dragon Prince, for example, I think does that. So Dragon Prince to me is a better show to, to show kids right now than like the Hobbit, the, or the, you know, the animated Hobbit, because mm -hmm. it speaks so much more to like the culture of now, you know, mm -hmm. even though it's told with like swords and sorcery and, uh, Spirit to me is one of those books where it's like, yeah, I'd much rather young people read that right now than try to get into, you know, uh, uh, the book of three or something by Lloyd Alexander or like, you know, Once in Future King or, you know, great books. But like, um, you know, we have new uh, takes on sort of mythological tales that are cool to read. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I would highly and we need to get talk about an interview I want to have jointly with you we need to get author josh tierney on uh, a upcoming episode like i we should reach out because i would oh, love be to cool. just pick his brain on spirit like we both loved it um i want to go deeper on kind of some of the the themes and just sort of the you know yeah i you know ideas and the design of it like how did he decide to just have different artists you know out of the gate yeah wasn't was like that, that a evolved. necessity or uh yeah. imagination based um, and I, I love this idea of like going back to read the books that we've, we've discussed and not read because one of those books that is a, that you have mentioned a couple times and you, you reviewed it a couple years ago, but then we mentioned it again on our Halloween episode in 2020, um, infidel is free to oh, borrow yeah. on comiXology right now. And so I've borrowed that and that's sitting in my to be read list. Um, yeah. And I need to go back through our, our older uh episodes and and do the same thing like pick out all those ones where i'm like oh this sounds really cool let me read it um yeah i along those lines is decorum still coming out and are you still picking it up it is still coming out i am still picking it up um let me just look and see while we're on the topic i'm actually on images website right now because i do want to mm. flag one other book before we move on let me see decorum I mean, I'll I'll buy decorum physically forever as single issues. I'll probably rebuy it as right, a trade right. paperback. I'll probably rebuy it when the you know the omnibus comes out, um, just because like as a as, for I I often celebrate these series um, that function very cinematically. You know, like I, I mentioned Postal a lot as like the perfect comic for a TV show because it's like it's literally there. It's the storyboard. Just adapt this panel for panel, and you'll have your TV show. I think decorum is the opposite. Like I don't see how you would ever adapt that. I, I never want to see it adapted as a TV show because it can only kind of in that Alan Moore way, it can only really exist 
as a it's almost intentionally designed to be a comic and nothing else and i like right, i love right. that about it and as a result i will i i feel duty bound to go to the shop and buy the variant copy and like you know collect it in that way so um they're up to volume six came out december 16th or like issue six right? sorry yeah i'm sorry issue six issue seven comes out february issue eight in march and that's all they have scheduled for now hmm. um you know so i Definitely. I mean, it's it's moving very slowly, but what it's doing, I think, is amazing. And as I mentioned in, in previous episodes, it has it has changing art as well for a variety of reasons. Although the same artist, but like the style will change, and it, they're doing a lot. Uh, Hickman and Mike Huddleston are doing a lot with just this genre. And I, I that's a duo that I want to see do more. Yeah, as much as I like Hickman and uh, Dragada on the East of West stuff, I think these two guys. Should should partner up for a couple more series after after decorum's done. Cool. Um, um, one thing while I'm on the image website, I do want to mention this. This is this is my WTF of the episode. There's a <laughs> series that is coming out uh, January 13th of 2021 called Ha Ha Number One. Literally H A H A Ha Ha Number One. And I looked at it and went, well, that that's either going to be incredibly lazy or very interesting. And then I looked at who's writing it and it's W sorry, W Maxwell Prince. And you may well, who's that? Like he is the writer behind ice cream man, a very successful series for image also, by the way. Um, and I forget if he's written other things. I mean, ice cream man's, you know, they're up to 22 issues now, I believe. Mm, right? Yeah. Yeah. 22. Now ice cream man started as a very interesting, very captivating thing. You know, it's an anthology series, almost like Tales from the Crypt Keeper. And then around issue six or seven, he starts to kind of give us this larger mythology where the ice cream man is kind of part of a, a bigger kind of good versus evil, almost like hmm. almost like Lost, you know, where there's the, you know, the Jacob and then the man in black. Like it kind of had that vibe to it. And much like Lost, he just he hasn't really been interested in telling that story since like issue 12. Like they just kind of dropped it. And so like every issue has been another anthology story, you know, where the ice cream man is involved, but nothing changes. It's just like these these people have these miserable experiences and that's it. Hmm. And then you and then the next month somebody else has a miserable experience. And like at some point after 22 issues, like the fact that he's not willing to revisit that mythology at a deeper level or like make this like, like where is this headed? Is this just going to be an anthology series for 50 issues? And then ta-da, like I don't, it, it's so frustrating reading that book. And I just stopped a whole hog. Like I was in it, you know, I was like, well, I'll keep going. Maybe he'll come back around again. Maybe like this, you know, they're building towards something and no, nothing changes. It's the, you know, people just have these terrible things happen to them and that's the issue. And in 2020, Todd, that is not the story <laughs> I wanted to have a continue on without any changing or, or even be successful. I was like, why, you know, who's continuing to buy this just to remind themselves that the world is shitty and like shitty things happen to shitty people. And I guess too bad. It's like, and there's just no redeeming quality to it. So then to see uh, Prince start a new series while continuing Ice Cream Man, that's not done yet. It's going to go on for who knows how long. Um, to start another series with the laziest title ever, I'll give you a quick little. I'll give you a quick little preview. Is Ha Ha the confession that like <laughs> Ice Cream Man was just like <laughs> fucking with you? Maybe. I mean, maybe you have to read Ha Ha to like understand Ice Cream Man. Like uh, maybe it says Ice Cream Man writer W. Maxwell Prince brings his signature style of one-shot storytelling 
not signature style, to the world of clowns. And he's invited some of the comic industry's oh, best God. artists to join him for the ride. Haha ha is a genre jumping, throat lumping look at the sad, scary, hilarious life of those who get paid to play the fool. But these ain't your typical jokers. So right away, I'm like, okay, so he's just doing Ice Cream Man again, but with like, you know, he must have saw Todd Phillips, the Joker, with Walking Phoenix and went, hey, what if we just did this? Right, like, right, right. A bunch of times. And I'm like, that's mm. not, even if you have new artists, you know, that I don't. This has to go somewhere, Maxwell Prince. Like, this has to be, like, you can't just do one shot after one shot after one shot while also introducing a very interesting mythology and then just ignore it because, man, whatever. Like, it just, it's so lazy. And then the title just made me, it just made me angry, Todd. I, I came across this and, like, <laughs> I was looking at, like, upcoming comics and I'm like, what? And then to see it was this guy, you know, if it was a new creator, I'd be a little bit more forgiving. But I'm like, dude, don't bamboozle us again with your lazy, you know, just, yeah insular just miserable like because it sounds like it's just the same thing as ice cream man over again but with clowns instead of an ice cream man so i don't well know. I, I mean this i this is such a uh potent topic because like there's so many series that we feel frustrated because they end too soon and there's so many that just keep keep going and keep going and you're like you know i was hoping there'd be an arc to this that would wrap up and then there's stuff like this where it just you know it sounds like uh just, just playing in the sandbox kind of thing and yeah. I don't know, yeah. you know, Hick Hickman to me is it's sometimes like inscrutable, but um, you can tell like he's 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 digging into the same ideas maybe sometimes, but presenting them in a new way or twisting yes. them in some yes. way. It, yeah, I you know, it's um, Hickman it's, has characters that do things that create consequences for those characters. Right. So then the next issue, you're like, what's going to happen? And they have to deal with those things. He doesn't just reset the board every single time for you know, well issues. said. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Like, dude, like, because you're right. Hickman, as much as I love Hickman, he does get a little redundant in his, like, conspiratorial kind of thing that he does. But you cannot tell me that East of West, Decorum, and Black Monday Murders are in any way the same book. Right, right. You know, artistically, stylistically, like, like intentionally. Like it's, they, they share similar themes, but they are very different pieces. And you can right. kind of, you know, in the same way that, like, Stephen King horror stories kind of share a similar pathos. They're not the same story every time, you know, uh, uh, Carrie and the stand, like Carrie could be in the stand, but like, you don't, you don't think the whole time, like, let's just carry again. It's like a totally different thing. So I just, I, you know, I, I hope, uh, Maxwell Prince is like listening or, or somebody passes this on to him and he, like <laughs> he wants to come on the show so I can like interrogate it. And granted, I would give him a very fair interview, but my first question would be, where is Ice Cream Man going? Do you have a plan? And if not, just admit it and drop this whole other <laughs> mythology thing and just, you know, make it something else. Because I'm just like, imagine, okay, imagine watching Tales from the Crypt Keeper. And the Crypt Keeper is, in, in, the, every time, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think the Crypt Keeper ever enters the story himself. He is purely the narrator. He's like, mm -hmm. all these crazy things have happened and I'll tell you. So imagine, if you will, that somebody says, actually, by, by episode 10, you learn that the Crypt Keeper is a fallen angel and that at one point he was in heaven. And you're like, wait, that sounds really cool. And they're like, yeah, but we're never going to bring it up ever again. And right. that's not what happens in Ice Cream Man, but you're just like, but that's, don't tell me that and then never bring it up again because like now I'm going to start to look at all the stories in that lens and, and wonder when we're going to get back to that. And it's like, no, nope, we're never going to, never going to talk about it ever again. But it was sure interesting, wasn't it? You're like, yeah. 
That's what Ice Cream Man is like. I just and what's really funny is um, right before COVID, Escape Velocity Comics, who used to have the book club that I love uh, yeah. so much every month, they did Ice Cream Man, and I I missed it, and I'm so mad I missed it because I would have been the greatest contrarian, and then like I would have passionately made my point about why Ice Cream Man is flawed. Mm. So uh, even a like, year ago, you were feeling that. Oh, dude, I was feeling it even more then. But like now I'm almost more angry again that this guy's writing right. another series. I'm like, don't give him another series. He, he's got to finish this one first. Yeah. Says the fan of Jonathan Hickman who doesn't it's, finish everything that he starts. So I don't, you know. Well, and it's it's so interesting to me, too, because I love that you brought up Stephen King because I've I've heard about him and also um, a band. I've heard I believe about he's, this, this author, Stephen King. Oh, I mean, I, I've heard start. it said <laughs> I've heard it said about him that like. He, you know, he, he has an idea and he'll like rewrite it until he feels like, okay, I've gotten that in its best form out of mm. myself, you know, like, uh, and I can't give any examples cause I've never read him, but well, what about you know, like, like, what about like Cujo and then the, the, the car one, that's kind of like a, a oh, shoot. It's yeah, maximum yeah. overdrive, like maximum overdrive and Cujo. You could say, well, it's kind of the same thing, like a demonic thing that you otherwise would be well, what innocent. About, what about Carrie and yeah. oh, wait, not Carrie. But Carrie, sorry, not Carrie. There's a there's one that's about a murderous car. Um, Maximum Overdrive. Well, no, there's another one. There's another one. Yeah. Why, how am I not thinking of that? But you know what I mean is that th- that's one of those things where he you know he gets fixated on like ooh murderous cars and it's not like he writes them all in a row. He just kind of comes back to it. And <laughs> I would bring up like the that same thing has been said about the Ramones, which is like they you know they were like let's write all of our I don't want us songs, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> let's write all of Great our comparison. I want us songs. And, and I think the Ramones and Stephen King were mutual fans. You know, they did the Pet Cemetery uh, theme song and stuff like that. So it's like there's that effort. And then there's like the Hickman thing that's like, I'm going to make a new prog rock album every <laughs> in every, you know, <laughs> exactly new... what decorum is, by the way. It's his prog rock album. So sure. some of the elements are the same, you know, but it's him remixing it in this new like he's pushing ahead. I, th- both those things are like valid things to explore but it sounds like ice cream man is just missing the mark and like not exploring enough and also not satisfied with just sort of making you know horror comics i don't know what, Look, a, what i'm a, okay I'm, i would be okay if it was like 10 issues in like it's just it's anthology sort of you know monster right. of the month fine but he intentionally added this larger overarching thing and then kept poking at it and then she's like eh, nah. and then just we haven't heard a word about it since and so I'm just like, why go to that trouble? And like, maybe it'll come back around again, but it's just like, it really does get after about 15 issues. And you're just like, this is just going to be every month. I'm going to go and pick this up and something terrible is going to happen to somebody who either kind of deserved it or didn't at all. And a lot of times like the person doesn't deserve it at all. And then like, and that's it. And there's nothing like no one saves the day. The person doesn't learn a lesson. They just, they either die or are tortured to death or get trapped in some alternate reality where they're tortured to death. And that's the story. It's like, see us, see you again next time, kids. I'm like, yeah. that, you can't, and, and, and I shouldn't say you can't because he's clearly selling very well. You know, a lot of people love it. And to them, I, I would love to get somebody who really loves Ice Cream Man, who can articulately defend it. Like, let's get them on the show because I would love to have this discussion. <laughs> I like this this compliment sandwich as a way of like pitching it to to someone, you know, 
Um, and look, I don't want to, I don't want to just have an excuse to yell at somebody for an hour about ice cream. I truly do want somebody to go, here's what you're missing. Cause I, if I, if somebody can get me convinced that great, like, cause I, I really do want to like the series more than I do or more than I did, I should say. But I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this one, man. Like hmm. same thing kind of happened to, and I, I never, I don't have a dog in this, this fight either way, but like a lot of people love monstrous and a lot mm, of people mm. hate Monstrous, that series, uh, yeah. also an image series. A lot, and, and, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of like in between where it's like, well, I kind of like Monstrous. Like, I just, I'm just not right, interested right. in it, so I don't, I don't care. Um, but like a lot of people, there are people who will, who will go to the mat for Monstrous, and a lot of people will go, no, I, to, in my dying breath, I will say that I hate Monstrous. Mm. And so it's, you know, it's having those discussions play out is kind of fun because you get to really see like somebody who loves that thing very intuitively like defend themselves and somebody who hates that thing like like because i mean that for me that's the best part of 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 art right it's it's mostly subjective mostly right and so you get to see those those discussions play out and maybe be convinced one way well and it's in a different way it's also like it's a different uh discussion entirely if these were books on dc or marvel and you think oh well the you know the creative team changed or the editors stepped in and said we need you to provide you know this is image so it should be creator driven and it's you know, Great that's point that makes me yeah. more that makes me more passionate about it because I'm like, this is their vision uninhibited. Like nobody right, stepped right. in and said, well, actually, um, and maybe that's the point. I mean, maybe we're seeing with some of these series, specifically Ice Cream Man, maybe we're seeing <laughs> like when a creator owned series isn't doesn't have those restraints, doesn't have that editorial control or nudge. And again, you, you can say, well, it's a stupid argument because it's selling really well. I'm like, fine. But then. If you're not told no, it's it just it feels like it has entered the realm of George Lucas without Lawrence, not Lawrence Kasdan. Who's the other? Who's his producer that held him? No, that was Kasdan. Was it Kasdan? Yeah, no. and, and he, he directed Empire and was like a co-writer. Oh, I know who you're. I can't remember the name of the person you're. Thinking oh my of, god! But, right. Star yeah. Wars producer. This is gonna drive me nuts. Um, but it's like yeah. There's a reason why those first three Star Wars movies work better than the the prequels because like George Lucas yeah, had a guy say. I can see his face clearly in my head. I just can't think of his name. Yeah, there's an editor checking him sort of thing. Or, you know, like a, a co-creator that's that's helping edit what's coming up. And just saying um, no. Like, hey, George, actually, maybe you don't want to yeah. do this. You know, and, and so for the prequels, nobody told him no. And so you get right, Jar right. Jar Banks. You get, like, you know, all the nonsense that you get with those prequels. Hang on, I've got to find this all, guy's name. All the CGI. Yeah, exactly. Um, all the CGI. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all of it's going to be no, no practical effects of any kind. Hang on. Fill, fill some time, Todd, while I find this guy's name. Because this is going to well, drive my me nuts. Time, my time filler was all like, okay, now to pivot to what I ask. I ask you other things. Um, but, uh, yeah, when Taylor returns from his Google adventure, <laughs> I'm going Gary to ask Kurtz. him. Gary Kurtz. There, there you go. go. Jesus. Gary Kurtz. Gary Kurtz. Um, who has passed away recently, I think, like not 2020, but maybe like 2019, um, 2018 uh, passed away, but like just really competent producer. Um, and I would argue you know, he was with George on American Graffiti, all his early stuff, even like the Dark Crystal he was a producer on. So it's like, that's a guy who who has who has creative chops, but knows how to like refine the diamond. It's like, let's just, you know, and you want to, if you get a guy like that in your corner, you want to trust them. And honestly, like for a publisher, that's what you want in an editor at large for a publisher is like that guy who goes, you do you, but I'll be here to just to keep you on track in case you get off. And, you know, you could argue Eric Stevenson and image is that guy, but 
I don't think he's, and I appreciate Image's hands-off approach, right? right? I wouldn't want them to meddle more than they are, but then you do end up getting stuff like this, which is like, man, what would what, what Ice Cream Man have been? You know, because did you ever watch Eerie, Indiana, when that was no, uh, I did not. in our youth, uh, early 90s series, ran for two or three seasons, probably also available on Prime, I would imagine, if you search for it. Um, but Erie, Indiana was a similar kind of thing. It was about this kid living in this town, this fictional town called Erie, Indiana. And every week, some crazy sort of sci-fi monstery thing would happen in this town. And it was all kind of part of the town's fabric. Like this kept happening. But you, you watched, I forget what was the kid, Omri, Omri uh, the kid from Hocus Pocus played him prior to Hocus Pocus. But like, mm. it would all kind of build on itself, right? So like if something happened in episode five, that was kind of de- deliberate. They might name check it in episode seven or eight. Like, hey, that happened. So we can't do that, you know. And so it kind of felt like as you're going through this show, like this kid and his friends, like they're your entry point. And, you know, it was grounded in that way. Ice Cream Man doesn't have that. The Ice Cream Man is the kind of central character. And he just keeps making <laughs> life miserable for everybody. And you're just supposed to go along with it. So it's like, okay. I feel like Ice Cream Man... <laughs> Ice Cream Man has become the the uh, the somehow analog of 2020. We just, just <laughs> let it end. Like I feel like just, I'm in. You're just creating misery. Like let's just <laughs> cut it off. I feel um, like I'm back in uh, I'm, I'm back uh, in Catholic catechism, going to confession, just like airing my grievances. Like I gotta tell right. you about Ice Cream Man. Like I'm in the confessional booth, just like let me just get this off my chest, Todd. I gotta I gotta get Ice Cream Man off my chest, and then we'll be fine. And then, you know, this conversation might be part of another Ice Cream Man issue. Like, I, I'll i know he's yeah. listening when, like, the next issue comes out and it's, like, two podcasters and, like, one of them, like, suffers a terrible fate. I'm like, well, clearly he's <laughs> listening. The Well, I w- I'll, I'll try to pivot us to, a, to, to like, wrap up the compliment Please sandwich <laughs> of the episode of what, what would you say were highlights of books you read in 2020, um, you know, comic book wise? And, like, are there any of those that you know you'll revisit? Ooh, good question. Well, I mean, the things that you've... If you want to think... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, the ones I mentioned that you already uh, talked about, like, that you kind of your recommendations from previous episodes, I think were really fun to both revisit, you know, because I I had a a cursory knowledge of them having talked to you, um, but I think getting into them deeper was really, really satisfying, especially because I I became... Just not even because of your recommendation, but I just became a fan of these works. They're just great books. Um, Crap. You know, we could have... Didn't well, I compliment Sandwich X, uh, 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 X of Swords last time, too? This is becoming a trend. I think, I think that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm I used that away. phrase. I'm going to stay well, away from that. Um, yeah. You, how about you? Well, I think I mean, about this a little harder. Sparrow was a huge one. But as soon as we talked about, let's do a 2020, like, you know, retrospective. Let's just kind of flush the system. Um, the one that I know that was absolutely the highlight of the year that I will continue to go back to was not published in 2020 but is the three volume March uh, John Lewis's oh, autobiography, yeah. which I did end up giving to people at Christmas um, that slipcase edition, because I just felt like this is, this is a thing we could all have on our shelves and like keep going back to it's, it's yeah. so powerful. And I love the way it's told graphically, you know um, and the, and it's also one of those rare books where I read it digitally and will order the the hardcover at some point just to have that on my shelf, you know, and feel like, okay, that's just maybe, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'll open it, but it's like, there it is, you know? 
I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna echo that because um, I'm looking at my shelf now. I was I was furiously scrolling through Comicsology, but I would say I would agree with that. Both in terms of the timeliness of the story, you know, we lost John Lewis last year, and then right, right, uh, all of the uh, race related things occurred that occurred last year. So it was a great time to pick up that book. But my God, it's so well done. It's so yeah. well illustrated. I mean, and it it's as a historical artifact. It is one of the greatest ways to learn about the civil rights movement and kind of take that in. But just as a comic, just, you know, subject matter aside, it's just, a, it's just really well constructed, like really beautifully illustrated that black yeah. and white, I think serves it incredibly well. Um, just amazing collaboration between all the, all the artists involved. And so I just, I, I would agree. And I would highly, highly you know, we do a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of pick up the digital version of, of things. But in this case, I would say absolutely go get the physical version. It, 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 you want it on your shelf, A, and B. It just, I think, functions better um, as, a, as a physical piece. Yeah. Uh, and, there are, and, you know, there are others we've mentioned, uh, uh, Spara among them. Um, but, yeah, that's the one that just stands out to me. In a, in a year where I didn't have a regular reading habit, uh, you know, that's one that I know I'll, I'll go back to. Are there, um, you know, my follow-up to that is, do you have things on your to-be-read that you know you're tackling next? You know, I do, um, but you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you two that have been on my TBR pile for way too long. Um, blankets I have mentioned in previous episodes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I want to re, I wasn't quite, I didn't quite finish it. I didn't quite give it the attention it deserves. So and it's a thick book. It's a drawn and quarterly book. And then, um, the sculptor, which I think you even gave me, um, yeah. I, I have, I have gone through a little bit. And it's a Scott McCloud book, so I, I owe it to, you know, myself and the industry to, you know, to read it because Scott McCloud's a genius. I just haven't had the time because it's, again, it's a thick, thick, thick book. So I think those are two that I will be both reading and absolutely talking about on one of our monthly book episodes. I think, um, you know, I was going through like what I'm most excited about in 21 list. And frankly, the, the, the three things I'm really excited about are TV shows that are coming up. Oh, okay. Um, we got WandaVision, which I am convinced is going to be as revolutionary as the first Iron Man movie was in terms of like how it sort of resets the stage and what we think this, you know, these kind of uh, these Marvel or superhero shows should be or could be. Um, I think likewise, Falcon and the Winter Soldier will equally be mm. you know, game changing. Um, so those two shows I cannot wait for equally. I have been now waiting with bated breath every day for a trailer for Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe um, mm. reboot slash sequel because it is a sequel, a direct sequel to the 80s, um, 80s series itself. I can't wait to see how that plays out, but it's obviously it's going to be different animation, much better writing, much better everything. Um, so just I, that I cannot wait for. And then frankly, this is going to sound cheesy, but I know right now there are books being written as we speak, written and illustrated, that will become my new favorite thing this year. That will yeah. come out, you know, in the summer or the fall. So I, I more than anything, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I know about that's coming. You know, um, books like Crossover and Inkblot, which I'll talk about another time. And there's other things, you know, um, um, uh, shoot, Decorum. Obviously, we talked about before too. There's there's books that I'm interested in that are known. But I think it's it's that next trip to the comic shop where I'm like, <gasps> and I see something that just the cover blows me away or I discover something just serendipitously. Like, that's what I'm most excited about. It's just that kind of having that feeling again. Like, oh my God, this is my new favorite thing. And then just going going deep on it. 
Yeah, I um, as I mentioned before, I you know I I'm pretty sure Eat and Love Yourself will be the next thing I read. Um, but I finally did pick up a copy of Nimona. I think I may have mentioned that in a previous episode. Um, and I mentioned that Sparrow volume two and three await me. Um, and then I did actually near the end of the year, pick up that rat Queens volume seven. So we kicked off 2020 with me talking about rat Queens and this weird creative history it has. Um, and this is like a new creative team that's just sort of taken over the property. And I'm, I'm curious to find out how that goes. Um, and that's, that's sort of like my short, you know, TBR, uh, and of course, I I think I, st- I still have several uh, volumes of Doctor Afra that you have excited me to get back into and read. Oh my God, you got to keep going on that book. Like it's it. I can't say enough about Doctor Afra. We'll probably have another Afra oriented episode soon because I want to dive into some of those additional volumes that um, that I picked up. So let's let's maybe let's soft pin that. But I'm ex- dude, I'm excited. This is um you know this is the first panelism of twenty one. I think it sets the stage nicely for what's to come. Um, like we said in the beginning, we're going to be doing more intentionally book episodes every month now going forward and, and definitely other things too. But this gets us back into kind of our, our bread and butter, which is reading books and, and offering, I think, a really elevated take on those and, and you know, letting you figure out what the book's worth having on your shelf actually could be or should be or are. Yeah. You know. Not, I can't think of a better way to say that. So, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's a great recap. Cool. And this is us pushing the reset button. <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely the reset button across, you know, go back and listen to our 2020 episodes by all means. But um, I am uh, more excited, I think, even about what's to come. Uh, this I'll, is, you know, <laughs> rain or shine. This is going to be the year that, that we kind of get back on track on everything. I agree. And I just to, I meant to point this out earlier. Uh, there's a discussion of the Marvel movies in a episode that we titled something about potluck back in July, 2020, that is, that conversation is so bonkers to me <laughs> because it's like, you can tell we're like feeling the strain of lockdown and we're like rewatching Marvel stuff. And I, I have the goofiest opinions on it, but it's, I think it's more enlightening of what my previous opinions were. So that's worth just listening to the first like 20 minutes of that episode to hear this <laughs> nutty discussion. I need to go back to, yeah, it's going to be, it'll be a fun historical artifact to kind of keep those 2020 episodes sort of on their own, their own shelf and be like, what were we, what was life like then? Can you hear the stress? <laughs> Can you hear the, right, right. the sort of despair of just like, is, is the world this way now forever? Or we just yeah. assume our life now? <laughs> assume our life. Oh my gosh. On that note, uh, People can find us at panelism.inc, I-N-K. That is our website and also our Instagram handle. And as Taylor mentioned, we'll do our best to sort of plug on Instagram what's coming up in the next episode uh, as we get them recorded. So we can kind of have a little book club discussion, um, you know, if people want to catch up before the show uh, comes out. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to kicking off this reading. Sounds good. And we'll have, yeah, like Todd said, we'll have the, the January picks up soon. You can read along with us and uh, more to come. I think a lot more to come on Instagram. I'm, I'm feeling that excitement again. We'll probably have a website or two up before too long and, and more to, more on the panelism front in 21. I'm excited. It's been great chatting with you, sir, and catching up. And uh, we, will, we will catch you all on another episode. Keep on listening. Keep on reading. And what is it? Was it used to say? We'll see you when we see you. Is that the? Uh, yes, I can't remember. <laughs> we'll see you then, or we'll see you at another time. 